All right, Pastor Adam, while the guys are uh, passing the offering plate, you go ahead and come on and get started. And uh, we sure do appreciate you being here with us. Thank you, Brother Mitchell. Let's open our Bibles this morning to Psalms 133, and then also to 1 Corinthians 12. I want to thank Brother Mitchell again for allowing me back. I love Brother Mitchell. I enjoy seeing what God is doing here. I'm excited about the future of this church. You know, when a pastor goes to a place, puts his heart there, and thinks long term, the church always has a good future. Now, you know your pastor loves this place, loves this community. When you pull someone out of Idaho and you move them, and I know Miss Lynn grew up in the area, that's totally different. When you take a man out of Idaho, unless you've been to Idaho, you don't know what I'm talking about. Two different worlds. And Brother Mitchell may never be a true Southerner, but I know his heart is here and his love is here. And uh, 55 years. I, I, I know most of you have not been here for all 55 years, but uh, Brother James, Brother Terry, those men that have been here long term, and uh, you've seen this building built, God's blessing, God's hand upon this ministry. Uh, I thank God uh, for this church. First Corinthians 12, here's what I ask you to do this morning. I, I know it's a very familiar text. A lot of times we go to church because we hear a familiar text, maybe we tune something out. I'd ask you not to do that this morning. There's nothing new, but we'll review some principles, all of it snow. Psalms 133 verse 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then go with me to 1 Corinthians 12. Look what it says in verse 12. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to bless your word again this morning. Father, help us. We certainly want to hear from you. And God, I pray you'd use once again these truths, this text, to move in our hearts concerning the theme of one body in Jesus' name. Amen. I simply want to emphasize and get us to focus again on a, a text we're familiar with and in a subject we're familiar with. Uh, but, but as we look at the future, all of us know and understand the importance of unity in the church. And when, when we talk about this passage, this text, we're talking about one body. It's amazing to think how many personalities how many different backgrounds, uh, how many different talents there are under this roof that God has combined and brought together in one body. Now, I we talk about the church, the local church. I love church. I grew up in church. I've spent almost every day of my life in church. And I'm at the church. We have a school and a Bible institute and a Spanish church. And I've told our people, uh, 
I preach every day of the week except Monday. And I said, if you would come on Monday, I'd preach on Monday. But I love church. I love the accountability of church. I love the fellowship of church. I love the unity of church. But I think too often when we speak of church, we, we think of a team working together. And God says, church is something more than that. It's literally one body in Christ. Now, I want you to notice a couple things about that body this morning. First of all, I want to focus on the imperfections of the body. Have you ever noticed that everybody has imperfections? You looked in the mirror this morning. Now, ladies are very different than guys. Have you noticed something about men? Men are very confident in them. that They look at the mirror. Ladies don't do that. Ladies look in the mirror and they notice every imperfection. They say, I wish my nose was a little different. I wish my hair was a little different. I, I wish this was a little different. But the bottom line is, all of us have imperfections. This church body of Corinth. Now, of all the churches that are addressed by Paul in the New Testament, this is the one with the most imperfections. I mean, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 speaks of envies and strifes and contentions. Uh, chapter 4 speaks of the pride in the body and that they were puffed up. He said, you're a little puffy. Chapter 5 speaks of fornication, and not just common fornication, but fornication, we won't even get into the detail of that. And chapter 11 speaks of the Lord's Supper and the misuse and the abuse. And you would think that Paul would have simply written them off as a congregation because of all their imperfections. But he writes two books. 21 pages in my Bible because he hadn't given up on this church with all their imperfections. Aren't you glad that God loves you despite your imperfections? Here's what happens when we go to church body. If we're not careful, we go and the longer we sit, the more imperfections we begin to see in the body. Right? How many of you come to the realization that maybe you've been a member of more than one church no matter where you go, every single church has its imperfections. And here's what we don't want to do. We don't ever want to get focused on the imperfections in the local body. We're going to say, you know what, there are, that's just a basic principle of life. Everybody has imperfections. And I, I'm going bald, but way before baldness, I notice a lot of imperfections. Why my wife fell in love with me, I, I do not know. But recently she said, Adam, it looks like you've come to terms with balding. You, you don't seem to care anymore. I said, you know what, babe, I've come to accept it. It's going to happen. Nothing's going to change that. I'll soon be combing my hair with a washcloth. That's all it's going to take. Instead of combing, I'll be shining. But in the local church body, the best thing we can do is come to peace with the fact that each body has imperfections. That's why hospitals are full. That's why we take vitamins. That's why we go to the doctor. We, we come to the understanding that no body is perfect. And the sooner that we accept that, the better off we are. Now, just because there are imperfections, I want you to see next of all, the functionality. That doesn't mean we can't be functional. Look what it says in verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. And if the foot shall say, because I'm not of the hand, 
I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. God hath brought us together. God, God's tempered the body. God's formed the body. God's done that. He's given each of us spiritual gifts. I think the best thing we can do is understand our gifts, our natural gifts, our spiritual gifts, and say God wants to use each one of those. He highlights this by saying uh, he's given the, the, the body eyes and ears and arms and hands and organs, and each one has a purpose, and each one should fulfill its purpose. Look what it says in verse 1. Now concerning the spiritual gifts, brother, I would not have you ignorant. God doesn't want us to be ignorant, amen? We won't, we won't preach on that. We shouldn't be ignorant. Concerning spiritual gifts, but many are. I know Christians don't even, they've never studied spiritual gifts. They never even identified their spiritual gift. God has given each of us spiritual gifts. I'm thankful for my wife. I have the gift of prophecy, uh, the gift of administration. My wife has the gift of mercy and we complement each other. I offend people and she runs behind me and comforts them. And I don't know how many times I'll get done preaching. My wife says, or I'll say something. My wife says, honey, don't you think that offended? I probably it did. I didn't mean to. And she tell, I think I can fix that. Like, babe, calm down. They're Texans. They can handle it. They'll, they'll get over it. They'll, they'll deal with it. You, I don't know how many times we've gone to the house after service or after soul winning. Soul winning is the worst meeting. I don't know why I go unfiltered during the soul winning meeting. But on Saturday, she'll catch me on the way out the door or in the office and she'll say, babe, do you want me to go talk to them? You might have hurt them. <laughs> Maybe it's too late, honey. <laughs> Here's what you don't want to do. You need to identify your gifts and it helps us have harmony in the church when we understand spiritual gifts and how God's gifted each person in a different way. And if we don't understand that, Satan will use our spiritual gift against us and against the church body. I've seen people with the gift of mercy split churches because the pastors had to go in and deal with sin in the church and the person with the gift of mercy comes behind and doesn't understand what the pastor had to do take sides with the offended or with the person living in sin and begins to help others get offended for that person living in sin. And the next thing you know, you have a church split. God didn't give you the gift of mercy to split a church. And for us to be functional, we have to understand our spiritual gift, the use of that. Go with me to Genesis chapter 2. Here's... Here's what God does. He, he's provided variety in the church body, but it's God. It's God that tempers, that puts together, that forms the body. You see in Genesis 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a functioning, living uh, 
soul. You know, the way God formed that body, he does in the church body. He formed, you know, that God, think about this. When he made man two eyes, two ears, a tongue, a mouth, one mouth, amen, not two. Two hands, two arms, two feet, two kidneys, a liver, a spleen, an esophagus. God did all of that so perfectly, tempered the body. And you know what you see when we look around this church body? God has formed, God has brought each person into this body. Some are underappreciated because they're the spleen, they're the kidney, they're the ear, they're the esophagus. They're the more underappreciated or unappreciated members. But each one, now here's what God does after he forms the body. He's brought each one, put them in their place, given them a purpose. You know, when we showed up this morning, the lights were on and the sound room was ready and the yard was mowed and there were some out there on the uh, preparing the bouncy houses and there are people in the classes and ladies are preparing the food. You know what that is? That's each one fulfilling their purpose, and that creates functionality in the body. I'm so grateful when when I go to church. I have so many weaknesses, preacher. Music, for me, is a weakness. I have spasmodic dysphonia. Uh, I don't want to explain it this morning. It's a vocal disorder. It uh, helps me sound like a billy goat. Can you imagine if I led this singing? I've had our kids in the church ask me, Preacher, why do you preach like a billy goat? That's my spiritual gift. <laughs> Thank you very much. Come give me a hug. <laughs> I love you too. Now, here's, here's what we have to understand. I, I have people, my, my, my brother's my assistant pastor and does so well with the youth and I've, I've got someone that heads up the Christian school and other ministries. And I thank God for each one and the way God uses their strengths to cover for my weakness. But God simplifies it and it says, what if the body were an eye? Can you imagine if in walked an eyeball this morning? Enrolled an eyeball. How spooky would that be? In came an ear. In came a foot. That would be a monster. We understand in the body the role of each member, but too often in the church, we're, we're, we don't understand the differences of each person except those differences. Thank God for those differences. That's what makes the body functional. But God forms the body, and then he fills with his spirit the body so that it can function. Aren't you thankful for the filling of the Holy Spirit? Now, if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what's not going to happen? We're not going to function as we are to function. As God would desire for us to function. Each member is needed aesthetically, practically. Now, let me mention three things here. Number one, we need to each accept our role and our responsibility. Too often in the church, the church isn't functional because people aren't accepting their role. You know what happens if you don't accept your role? The body becomes, we call it disabled. Right now your pastor is disabled. There's things he can't do. We're not speaking mentally, but physically disabled. 
a rotator cuff, something that you can't see below the surface when it's torn, when it's not functioning properly now, means the rest of his body has to compensate for a disabled member. And in the church, now here's, here's our point this morning, we're talking about one body, but the point I want you to get and grasp before we finish are these two words, no schism. I like that word. I really like to say that word, schism. No schism. Now, if God's going to give this church another 55 years, hopefully he doesn't because hopefully I'm hoping to be raptured out long before the next 55 years. But if the Lord tarries, in order for this body to move forward and be productive and fulfill the word of God and reach souls in this community and around the world, it must function with no schism. Now, you know what we've seen tear churches apart? Schisms. A tear. Now, we're going to get to this first in a minute. But it doesn't take a tear. It simply takes a member not functioning. You can jam a finger. How many of you have seen it? Now, you live in, in North Carolina. You know that. But uh, you have a football team. And you had a quarterback. We're talking about one of the greatest athletes in the world, physically gifted athletes in the world, Cam Newton. I mean, you know who I'm talking about. But he's not playing. You know why? There's a schism in his body. One part of his body, a muscle in his body has been torn. Something is not functioning properly. And because of that, all his other talents and abilities are unusable because of a schism. Now, when you think about this church, you think about all the talents and all the abilities in this church. But all it takes to interrupt or disrupt the body is a schism. So when we understand God has given us gifts and God's given us talents and God's given us natural talents and spiritual talents, natural gifts and spiritual gifts, and if we're not using those as God desires, there's a tear in the body. There's, you know, it can be a blood clot. We have a little baby that was born prematurely recently and yesterday I got a call and she's in the hospital and the baby's having seizures and doctors are doing tests to try to figure out what is causing these seizures? There's a problem in the body, and here's what a schism is. It's when a member is not functioning properly, and the body begins to have convulsions. Maybe you've been in church long enough to see a church have convulsions. Suffer at seizure. A blood clot, high blood pressure. Have you ever seen a member that created a schism because it created high blood pressure. That member created high blood pressure in the body. You ever seen that? A kidney doesn't function. A spleen doesn't function. A liver, I don't know how many times a, a month I go to the hospital and I deal with people because one member of their body is not functioning properly. We must each accept our responsibility. We must each accept our limitations. Look what it says in verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? 
We, we know there are just certain things we cannot do, and I thank God in our church, English church, Spanish church, there are different people with different abilities. We just had our missions conference. We hosted about a hundred people. And in, in that, I look at the people that are cooking and serving and cleaning and preparing music. And we have all these music groups and, and everything that's going on. And I'm saying that all the phone calls that need to be made and, and travel arrangements. And I'm thinking, thank God for each person simply doing their duty and alleviating. They're helping alleviate the responsibility of someone else. But can you imagine? Uh, you don't have any eyes. Your ear can only hear. And yes, that'll help. The ear will provide what the eyes cannot if you're blind. But it doesn't compensate. It doesn't truly function or serve the same purpose as the eyes. You can function, but just not the same way. Not to the same capacity. And how many churches are functioning under capacity because you have members that are creating schisms by simply not performing their duty or not accepting their limitations and saying, praise God for those that God is using with a different talent and a different ability. Verse 21 and 22, look what it says. And the eye cannot say into the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Can you imagine the body with no legs and feet? That's limited. We've, we've got to learn to honor each other. Here's what happens. If we look at someone and say, that is a beautiful person. We're usually not referring to their spleen. Right? I would say we're never referring to their large intestine. Or their feet. We're referring to one feature, their facial features. But what about all the other members that are unseen? What about the the feet? What if the foot would say, hey, I carry around 180 pounds. You hide me in a sock. You never put me on display. You never talk about me. Uh, I, I, if it weren't for me, you wouldn't be going anywhere in life. You don't appreciate me. Matter of fact, the only time you think of me is when you stub me up against a wall. You don't even provide me comfortable shoes. You don't think about my desires. And in life, here's what, if we're not careful, here's what happens. There are people, because they're in more unnoticed spots, whether that's a nursery or maintenance or mowing a yard or maybe evangelism in a jail or in a hospital, oftentimes we do not honor them. If, if someone's not on the pulpit, if they don't have a musical instrument in their hand, if they're not at the piano, if they're not in the choir, we forget that person and often don't provide them honor that is due. And part of being a functional body is understanding. You, you know when we appreciate the kidney? When we're in the hospital and the doctor is saying, your kidney is functioning at about 35%, you may need dialysis. You know what we're doing? We're thanking God for the other healthy kidney and praying that God will restore the unhealthy one. 
But before that member is actually hurting the 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 uh, you know let's let's go to the verse let's let's fast forward and skip down to verse twenty five and twenty six where it speaks of schism that there should be let's say it together no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care one for another and whether one member suffer here it is all members what somber now now here's here's what we need to do we need to emphasize the health of the body in order it, it to overcome schisms think about a body when we talk about one body Recently, I had a pastor friend, at, uh, he used to pastor Trinity Baptist, now he's in evangelism, Bob Smith. Anybody heard that name? A uh, great man of God. He's nearing 80, and he was outside working with wood. And I asked him, Brother Smith, why, why are you still out there? You've got people in the church, and you've got son-in-laws in the house that could be doing this. But he was out trying to make something in his garage with a saw, and he slipped, and it cut off every finger, and he fell into the blade, and then it cut off his thumb. He lost all five fingers, one slip. And now he just has a, a stub. Now, he's he laughs at himself, but I guarantee you, uh, here's here's what his body did. Not, not only did he get himself to the hospital, it saved his life, kept him from bleeding to death. But but his body then did everything possible to protect that hand and to compensate for that loss. His right hand has never held a grudge against, or excuse me, his left hand, where he lost those fingers, has never held a grudge against his right hand for that slip. His left hand has never held a grudge against those legs for that slip. His left hand said, I'm never going to help you again because look at the damage and look at the pain and look at what you put me through. I've suffered because of your mistake. It was a slip of the brain. But that left hand's never been mad at the brain or held a grudge at the brain. You know what, you know what happens in a church body? There are skips, schisms because we hold grudges when another member does something that causes us pain and it creates a schism. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been part of a schism? Have you ever, in that, I mean, you've lived in that house for 20 years. You've, you've moved around in the dark for 20 years, but you get up and you've got to use the bathroom. You need something to drink and on your way out, you know what happens? The same chair that's been there for 20 years. And then what do you do? Oh, oh, you don't say what you're thinking because you're a Christian. But you say, oh, then you begin to pray, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. Wife says, what's going on? Stub my toe. You know what the rest of the body does? Then you sit down and your hands comfort your toe. The rest of the body provides tries to provide pain relief and healing that's getting quickly moving past a possible schism. Oh, if we would do that in a church. 
we'd see that hurting person, that hurting member, and we'd all reach out to help eliminate or heal that schism. That there be no schism. Because when there's a schism, a body can't function perfectly. That's why we have diets and take vitamins and medicine. You know why? We're trying to deal with schisms. Being overweight is a schism. Having high cholesterol is a schism in the body. Are you with me this morning? Now, I'd like to say, I've been passing for 27 years, and your, your preacher's a whole lot older than I am. Doesn't look that way, but he is. But here's, here's what I have seen in five different churches. Satan loves creating schisms in the body. I want to see through longevity our church blessed, our English church blessed, our Spanish church blessed. In order for that to happen, we've got to understand this principle of we are one body. If you look around here, these are different members, but we are one body. And God teaches this in order for us to understand that there should be no, no schism in the body. Look what it says. Go with me to Acts 1, and then keep your finger here in 1 Corinthians. We'll come right back and be finished. Look at the church here in Acts. They understood, even before Corinthians was written, they understood this principle, and here's why they grew so quickly and functioned so amazingly until Acts 6, and we find a schism. Look what it says, Acts 1.14. These all continued with, what's it say? One accord. Chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. Verse 46. And they continuing daily with, what's it say? One accord. Chapter 4, verse 24. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with, do you see the pattern here? One body, no schism. Now, how can this be happening? Because at this point, the church has at least 10,000 members. And they're still functioning in one accord. Because they're working as one body without schism. Chapter 6, we see the schism. The first major schism. Go back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now you say, how is this possible? How is it possible? One body, no schism, chapter 13. Here's what we do. When is when do we normally hear 1 Corinthians 13 taught or preached? Weddings. Right? Couples retreats. Well, when you're speaking to the married, but that's not the context of 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is dealing with the one body, no schism. How does that function? It can only work when there's charity. Chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. It doesn't matter what the teacher teaches like or the preacher preaches like. If they have not charity, they become as sounding brass. That's too loud. How many like music and it's just sounding brass, just cymbals up here clanging? You become tired of that real soon. Or tinkling cymbal. That's too little. How many want a little bell up here that tinkles? 
in between verses of a song. Neither one is of much use. And here's what the Bible says. The Christian that is part of the body that is functioning without love is of no use. Sooner or later produces schism. The verses that we know so often, verse 4, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity bondeth not itself. This is how a church member functions functions in the church body without creating a schism. It's going to take charity, love that suffers long, and envieth not, and bondeth not itself, and is not puffed up, and doesn't behave itself unseemly, and seeketh not her own, and is not easily provoked, and thinketh no evil. The context is within the context of a church setting, a church body that is supposed to function without schism. Now, this is the most basic principle of the church. And Brother Mitchell's been here for almost 10 years, I believe. And maybe there's never been a schism here. Maybe. I don't know. But in Austin, we've had plenty of schisms. And preacher, I have to confess that I've caused a few of those. And I look back now. And when... When you have those moments right now at Capital City, now probably in the last 24 hours, we've just gone through our missions conference and literally 23 services. And I feel like we're in a moment of revival in our Spanish church. I, I believe we're in a moment, one brief moment, no schism at this moment. But you know we're going to go home and most likely there'll be a schism. There'll, there'll be a pulled muscle. There'll be a torn uh, ligament. There'll, there'll be a member out of joint. Right? You know what a pastor's in place for? To deal with schisms. <laughs> to address schisms. To eliminate schisms. And the question is this morning. As is a member of the body, we ought to so desire and pray, God, don't let me be the creator or the cause of a schism. I don't want to be the schism in the body. I don't want to be the the torn rotator cuff. I don't want to be the pulled muscle. I don't want to be the twisted ankle. I don't want to be the finger out of joint. I don't want to be the high cholesterol that affects the heart of the church. Look what it said in Ephesians 4 and we're finished. Lastly, let's look at the permanence of the body. Ephesians 4.16 From whom, speaking of the spiritual gifts and those that God has placed in the body, but look what it says in verse 16. From whom the whole body, what's it say? Fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, here's what I want you to simply focus on before we finish. Fitly joined together. Have you have you thought about what God did in the muscles and the joints and the ligaments and the cartilage? How God fitly joined your ear. Have you ever tried to build something and over time with usage it came apart? I have rockers that I assembled. And about six months ago, my wife said, Honey, I think that thing's coming apart. I said, it can't. I put glue in the screw. 
She said, it's coming apart. That usage. Now think about this. If you're 50, 60, or 70, you're basically holding together. I know Brother Mitchell's exception, but God never meant for you to throw 100-pound weights, right, with a 50-year-old body, possibly. But for the most part, have you thought about your ears never falling off? Your fingers have never become disassembled? Your foot's never disjoined itself from the leg? God has so assembled the body with all the usage. Isn't it amazing how God put it together and the heart stays in place and in pumps and the the organs stay in place and all that stays in place because God fitly joined your neck, your head, your shoulders, your body. How incredible is that? Science can't replicate that. Man can't replicate that. In all the newest technology, man simply can't replicate what God has done in the body to fitly join the function of the brain with the function of the rest of the body. And here's what happens. Man, God's purpose is for us to be joined to the body permanently to function properly. And yet man thinks, I'm going to disjoin myself. And function properly. You need the church and you need the church body. How many have ever seen someone that serves such a great purpose in the church and as soon as they isolate or separate themselves from the church, there's no productivity there. Because God says, you're part. can you imagine this finger? This finger serves me so well. But if you separate this finger from the hand, it no longer serves a purpose. If you separate this heart from the body, if you separate this foot from the leg, now... When it becomes severed, it serves no purpose apart from the body. Have you ever seen, here's, here's Christians, separate from the body, like a finger. And then they go straight to online to talk about the body, social media. You know what they're accomplishing? <laughs> Nothing of spiritual productivity. But here's what a Christian thinks. I can separate from the body and still be useful for it. That's impossible. Your functionality happens while you are fitly joined together. And as soon as you separate yourself, you know what you've cost? Schism. So here's my point this morning. I don't think we could be more basic. Say, preacher, that's way too basic. I'm not an evangelist and I'm a pastor. I have no great messages. All I have is the Word of God and a great Bible and a great God with a great principle that tells us. He wants a body to work together with no schism. You've had a great past, but you know what a great future depends upon? Each member making a decision. I just don't want to be part of a schism or create a schism or be that member that others see as a schism. Amen. Father, we pray this morning. Once again, oh God, you'd help us all. To understand the importance of our spiritual gift and the way you've placed us and the purpose you've given us in the body. 
Father, I pray you'd put your hand on this ministry and bless it. Father, give it uh, longevity. Help these people to serve together and work together until you're coming. And meanwhile, Lord, we pray you'd produce harmony and unity in this church without schism. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Adam. Appreciate that lesson. I know I'm sitting there thinking, reminiscing over the last 12 years or so, and then uh, previously was in a different church for about 17 years. And, you know, you'd be in the ministry very long, especially in leadership or pastoring. You see a lot of different people, a lot of different problems. And um, I know that uh, here in recent years, and it seems like that that trend just continues to get better, it seems like that the Lord has been growing us in love here at Temple Baptist Church. And uh, while I believe that uh, we certainly haven't arrived and God still has a lot for us to do, uh, that 1 Corinthians 13, that charity, I've seen that grow. I've seen it grow in my own heart as a pastor. I've seen it grow in your heart. And uh, sometimes we get to thinking that it's our job. Sometimes we get a little bit arrogant and some different strengths and abilities that we have and we start looking down at people that we don't feel measure up to our standard. And when that happens, what we're doing is we're not treating that brother or that sister in Christ like they're part of our body. We, uh, we're thinking that we're an entity of ourself when reality is we're just one small part of the body. And yes, we need to figure out what part that we are and what God wants us to do. But at the same token, the body is supposed to edify itself in love. And there can be schisms from injuries, from offenses. There can also be schisms from uh, laziness or irresponsibility. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, the mouth and the hand. You know, the, the hand, the mouth needs the hand to put that food into it. But without the mouth, the hand is not going to get the nourishment that it needs to be able to feed the mouth. And that is the, the way that church is supposed to function. In my time in ministry, and I think this started back probably in the 60s and 70s, maybe a little bit before that, but there was a, a big rise in church attendance and church growth here in America where these mega churches started cropping up, where uh, even fundamental independent King James Bible-believing Baptists started doing all kinds of soul winning and running buses, and all of those are good things for reaching the lost community. But as far as a church goes, our goal should not be to have a large church. Our objective is to have a healthy and a strong church. And the size is really irrelevant. If we are strong and we are healthy, listen, if there is a spirit of love and sweetness and meekness, the presence of Jesus Christ, and, you know, lost people come into a church service, they're looking for something. And most, more often than not, they don't know what they're looking for. They got something, they got this big hole in their heart and they know something's missing in their life. And very often people can come into a church building and realize that, hey, there's something here that I've been missing before the preacher ever says, open your Bible too. And that is the presence of the Lord. 
And if we are strong and if we have that charity and loving one another, forbearing one another, putting up with one another, I used to think, and I don't know if I was trained this or if I just made false conclusions, but I thought that my job as a pastor was to do everything I could to fix everybody. And that was that wasn't out of arrogance. That was, I thought, the burden that God put on me. And so many years in my ministry, I just found myself frustrated that everything that I'd try to do, and sometimes the more I'd try to help people, the worse that I'd make the problem. I found out that many of God's people, they're already kicking themselves around the block. They don't need me to add a foot to the equation. And so sometimes they just need somebody to encourage them and lift them up, support the weak, comfort the feeble-minded. And sometimes those are the principles that when God, when we allow God to create an atmosphere for healing, for growing, for strength, for charity, that's when we start seeing the church grow. People start coming in and start getting born again in spite of our efforts or lack thereof or programs or all the different administrative things. You cannot administrate church growth, not any real. You can, you can get more bodies. You can get more numbers through talents and administration, but you're not going to get true spiritual growth and unity until we function like that early church in Acts and we are in one accord. And I want to say, I just want to say what an encouragement that you are and what a joy it is to be part of a church where I believe we have a good level of that one accord. Now, if it's, if there's a disunity, if there's schisms, major schisms anyways, not just the, you know, not just the normal stuff like, who are we cheering for? Duke or Carolina? You know, not those kind of schisms, but uh, if there are major things, then uh, certainly um, uh, those have been remaining, remained hidden. And so I'm glad that we have a good spirit of love and unity. And I pray and hope that that spirit will continue to grow. Uh, if it does, then uh, we're going to see God do some amazing things here in the future here at Temple Baptist Church. Uh, yes, we have had some schisms in the past. And uh, it's not a it's not a pleasant thing. It's not a good thing. And it seems like that no matter what you do, sometimes um, in dealing with those things, the devil ends up getting the victory some way or somehow. But uh, may we just stay humble before the Lord, uh, figure out what our place and our role is, and then function with one another and uh, continue to pray and let God have His way in our life. Thank you for that message, Brother Adam. Let's take a break before the morning preaching.